There we go. George Tillis has some movers that you missed. Time for some overlooked stocks. George joins us from Salt Lake. GT, you got Yandex in your list today. Are you searching for a borscht recipe? <laughs> well, it's uh, a good one, OJ. Yeah. So you, for Yandex, uh, the stock is hitting some new 52-week highs. But uh, people understand that uh, search engine. This is the essential Google of Russia, Kazakhstan, Belarus. Uh, they've got a near monopoly when it comes down to things like search portal. Uh, they're also in marketplaces, e-commerce like eBay. Uh, cloud and classified businesses. Uh, the other thing is media services, but a hidden gem associated with Yandex is its taxi business, where it actually has about 70% of the market share in a Uber-like business uh, in, in Russia. So ah. it's, uh, it's one of these companies that's got uh, sort of a conglomerate. It's a mix of maybe Uber and eBay, but also Google uh, in, the, uh, in the region of Belarus, Russia, of course, and uh, Kazakhstan. But uh, again, about 50% of its business is ad-based, and we're generating quite a bit more revenue now in its rideshare business. There was a catalyst today as well. UBS did upgrade the stock to a buy from neutral, and they actually ranked uh, or ratcheted their price target on the stock to 111 from 77. And they actually see quite a bit of expansion of its cloud business in Europe as one of the reasons why. Uh, as uh, the advertising revenue, which is still growing double digits for the name, seems to be uh, increasing at decelerating pace, but they are generating more revenues going forward in cloud, as well as a rideshare business. Okay, so there's uh, some more kind of tech-heavy growth aspects happening here as yeah. the business looks to expand. Obviously, this is the blueprint when you're a giant uh, tech business is you try to get into different things, as uh, every major tech company here has done. So is this like a uh, you know, an alphabet in the early stages? Is this like the moonshot equivalent for Yandex? Well, I, I think if you just consider uh, alphabet, you know, could you consider them having a, a near monopoly in the United States in search? Well, there's of course different alternatives, you know, like Microsoft Bing, which I don't know anybody who uses, but in the day that is their cash cow. It's, it's their search and search optimization based businesses. With that said, what they, they've done is they've expanded out into other areas of internet content creation publishing and in this case uh, media and e-commerce the e-commerce portion of their business isn't profitable yet but at the same time they're uh, utilizing their cash cow business to fund uh, their taxi business which is the rideshare business which there's only one other competitor and i don't have the name uh remembered off the top of my head oj but uh yandex does have about 30 i'm sorry 70 percent of the market share uh, when it comes down to ride share. So that is quite remarkable for the business, which already has a monopoly, like I said, in search engine and uh, optimization, uh, advertising revenue in that regard. So overall, I think uh, if you look at the top line sales, they were really robust at 91% year over year, very uh, respectable gross margins, but still quite low compared to other technology names. And I think it has to do with the fact that Yandex has been uh, branching out into multiple technology businesses which again, kind of compresses their gross margins and perhaps even their EBITDA margins. But I think going forward, the expansion of cloud, particularly into places like Germany and Europe, could also mean they get penetration in search, but at the same time, perhaps their taxi business also generates more penetration and revenue growth going forward uh, in the European hmm. Union as well. All right, nice, uh, George. Like that uh, complexity here of a tech business that is getting uh, some exposure into different secular growth industries. Stock uh, responding in kind and trading pretty well here since the last earnings. 
Let's keep it going, GT. NATI is also on your list today. And even though it might sound like it should be a Natty Gas ETF, this is national instruments. Uh, so you've gone into an engineering play here, George, based in Texas. What do they make? Yeah, so this is an interesting company, really an overlooked one, National Instruments, a software application uh, industry group, but it's basically mm. a company that's in semiconductor and electronics, transportation, aerospace, and defense. And what they actually do is, is they manufacture and sell software and hardware platforms to uh, engineers mm. uh, and scientists. And what they actually do is they target markets uh, for measurement application, uh, as well as in manufacturing. They specialize in software which produces insights into performance through product life cycle. So they're placing emphasis on uh, testing of uh, equipment with their software in places like uh, 5G, electric vehicle, autonomous driving. And these are again, three secular uh, tailwinds that this company, National Instruments has. Now, Goldman Sachs did upgrade the stock and this is based upon a uh, recent analyst day that they demonstrated some positive uh, commentary going forward, but the target now is 48 from 45. And I think overall, if you think about scientific testing equipment, uh, especially in new technologies like 5G, EV, and especially autonomous vehicles, these are technologies which are now evolving and they need new testing uh, equipment and parameters, especially those that are value added, that, are, that essentially allow companies, let's say for instance, say Tesla or General Motors, or even for instance, a handset developer uh, like Samsung, I'm just giving some examples okay. of those companies that would bring in-house testing technologies versus outsourcing these technologies. So what National Instrument does is they provide value in the sense that they uh, their, their software and their testing equipment uh, 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 measurement devices are actually cheaper uh, to use from an in-house standpoint versus outsourcing. And I think that's mm. essentially the value proposition of the business. And, and overall, the company's profitability profile really only about 5% EBITDA margins, but it's actually growing its software and services. And that's what Wall Street likes to see. They like to see right. market penetration, pricing power, but they also want to see in, improving software and services uh, component of their business. Recurring revenue, baby. Here with the, uh, the upgrade. What's that? Recurring revenue, right, George? Isn't that uh, the whole draw that's here? Right. Okay. So does that mean that uh, eventually okay. after these investments and capbacks have spent out, this is going to be a higher margin business seems like the top line growth part is already like a given as they do this but ultimately down the road it means profitability it does and if you considered also and i think this is the other thing you brought up capex their capex rate which was about 39 percent for 2021 was slightly higher than about 36 percent of revenues for 2020 so it's okay. important to bring that up and what that has done is potentially added to some of the pressure on the stock price the stock is still up about 20 percent over the last year, but it's also producing and generating about 2.6% dividend yield on a trailing basis. So overall, not a bad performer for a company that's got uh, some secular tailwinds, as I mentioned, but also uh, the analysts do see that the CapEx spending committed in 2021 was actually relatively high compared to its historical average, and that doesn't necessarily last too long. So the manifestation of that CapEx is expected to be generative or accretive to the business in 2022 and going forward. And I think this is why Goldman is, uh, is attached a little bit of a higher price rating on the stock. Okay, George, last one you got for us. You do have an energy pick, SM Energy. This is an yeah. e &P company. 
Yeah, it's in the natural gas and oil space, OJ. But here's the kicker. Only about 25% of its total sales are natural gas. Ah. So it's more in line with the traditional oil and gas uh, E&P-based company. Okay. I mean, this company's uh, stock price is probably one of the better I've seen over the last year. It's up about 1,400%. If we go back last year, I mean, the stock is trading in the mid-20s now, but it was around $1.70 same time last year. And, and there's a reason for it, but basically – uh, there was a lot of debt on the balance sheet. Uh, they had about a, about a three-to-one ratio in terms of debt to, uh, to equity last year. Natural gas prices were lower. We know energy demand was also lower. Uh, but what we actually had was a challenge for SM to generate free cash flow. Now, what happens is a reversal. We do see improving oil and gas prices. We see improving significantly natural gas prices. It was up about 13% last I looked today alone. Uh, and it's been up quite a bit from around three dollars uh, in, in July to over five today. So natural gas prices certainly are a huge catalyst, but not the only one, uh, as SM is more in line with being a traditional oil and gas midstream producer. But what I did see is, is as aside from the uh, BMO capital increase in terms of its price target to 30 from 26 today, uh, based upon improving free cash flow position, they generated around 200 million in the last two quarters. Hmm. Not so bad considering uh, the revenues were about a billion, uh, billion and a quarter last year. Uh, they right. actually demonstrated uh, their hedge book. The, the hedge book for natural gas was 80 percent hedged in 2021. So that restricted SM's ability to, uh, to generate the, uh, the true return on natural gas. But going forward in 2022, mm. they're only 40 percent hedged and zero for 2023. So their hedge, hedge book going out in natural gas for the next two years going forward uh, allows them to participate in this nice move in natural gas that we've had since July. I like that point, George, because right as you said, you know, uh, hedge to what, 80%? That it seems like way, way, way too much for the scenario we're looking at right now. But to your point, they've changed that. So that's a really key distinction. As uh, we see it rip, you got to be able to have, if you want the beta to the commodity, right? Then you can't be hedging it all. Uh, right, George, exactly. thank you. Good stuff on the Overlook stocks. George Tills, yeah. with the movers that we missed. Nice fundamental deep dive there.